this episode, Infected, Doug and I talk a little bit about our perspectives on the coronavirus COVID-19. Doug brings his unique perspective as a healthcare worker, and I bring my perspective as a pastor of a local church. We talk a bit about what should be the church's responsibility during this time. Uh, well, how does the church need to step up? What are some things the church needs to stop doing? And we, we actually have that same conversation from a social perspective about all of us as individuals. What are the sort of things that we can be creative in and step up? And what are some of the things that we need to stop doing? And so uh, we're going to talk a little about the coronavirus, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Space Between. Hey, welcome to The Space Between. So this week we're going to talk about the thing that everybody is thinking about, COVID-19. And I think that um, I've been a little discouraged from a faith perspective of some of the things that I've heard, and I think we're going to just kind of dialogue a little bit with that. I think that Nick and I are in a unique situation where we are having a conversation from the perspective of a church leader and Nick and myself being in healthcare and being like the only institution at this point really open other than government um, and being kind of on the front lines of this whole pandemic. So uh, the, the first thing that I was thinking about was, you know, the end of the end of the world people are just going nuts, you know, like, like seeing stuff like beware of the times that that we're in and all those sorts of things. And it just really, you know, sucks. <laughs> it just sucks. <laughs> right? Like, this is like the perfect, um, uh, all the perfect ingredients for the folks who have a theology that focuses on the end times. And it's just waiting for the natural disasters that will, you know, quote unquote, end the world, and for you know Jesus to be returning after you know pestilence and greed and all that stuff is is present. So, yeah, I, I've been thinking that I'm going to be hearing a lot more about that. Yeah, um, I've been lucky enough not to hear too much on it. Right, but I think it is like there's this natural reaction for certain. Um, what's the right way to say this? Certain people that have a very certain theology. For that to be their focus always, when when the next big thing happens, right. whether it was nine eleven, you know, or now it's this pandemic or anything in between, that those are signs of the end times. Right. So, I mean, and just to kind of debunk that whole idea, that would mean that God is out to judge old people and people with health risks, you know, like, and and that's it, you know, people that are are relatively healthy. Obviously, God doesn't need to judge those people at this point and, and, and it's just that's just the most ridiculous thing ever you know <laughs> and if we believe that jesus is the perfect image of god right then we know that jesus's ministry on earth was focused on those who were sick and hurting and poor and didn't have all the means right. of those who were healthy and rich yeah he came for the vulnerable so to say this is god's judgment on earth is it's kind of it's backwards thinking yeah Absolutely. Yeah. But we still see it, right? Right. And that is part of the disappointing thing that that you're referencing is some of the way we've seen church leaders react to this has been to not take it seriously at all. I mean, very, very dismissive. Yeah. And uh, instead of instead of really looking at the big picture and what's happening on a global scale yeah. at some of the countries that are further ahead of us um, in just dealing with this pandemic, 
what we see people doing is is saying uh, we're not going to give in to fear. We're not going to give in to fear. So we're going to keep meeting together. We're going to keep meeting together, and and that that seems to be counterintuitive to this whole thing. And and now, you know, we're two weeks in, mm-hmm. if that, right? I mean, yeah, it, about, about since two, the first since the first cases, so. the world has changed in two weeks. Yeah, you know, yeah, and that's from the U.S. standpoint. I mean, yes, November course. is when China started dealing with this. So, yeah. Um, the other thing that I've seen that's been, I think, discouraging, and I think it's just because it's um, being misinterpreted, is that uh, a lot of church church's statements have been about um, we ha- we don't need to be in fear because our our trust lies in God, and I think that um, that can be misinterpreted in the sense that. Um, then we can don't have to change the way that we interact in society because we don't have fear opposed to we need to take this serious however we have our trust in jesus um it seems like i mean kind of what you're saying and because i would agree like we don't have to be in fear because our trust is in jesus like i I would agree with that yeah but that doesn't mean we don't take it seriously right right and And i think it seems like we've maybe poorly explained it in some cases Uh, it's a both and yeah don't don't live in fear but let your life be affected by changing your normal behavior so that you can take care of yourself and the people around you. Right. Yeah. So, Nick, what what was the process and the way that you guided your congregation into this um, um, stage? We, we were lucky enough to have a board meeting previously scheduled right around the time that this started to um, – that. Pennsylvania started to say, here's a number cap on gatherings. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the day before they came out and said, I forget, I think it was, there was a 250 person cap mm-hmm. and then it went to a hundred. Yeah. And so we had a board meeting between those two numbers. Mm-hmm. And so our congregation is about 130. Mm-hmm. We weren't too worried about the 250 thing, but mm-hmm. so I, I kind of prepared an information packet on COVID-19 for the board members and began a discussion with them at a board meeting and we just worked through some of the details and what this might mean. One of the things that we have to take in consideration for our congregation is the we have a large amount of folks who would fall into the at-risk category, mm-hmm. whether by age or because they have cancer or because they were transplant patients or some other pre-existing medical condition. Um, a, a overwhelming majority of our congregation falls into that high-risk category. And that was part of what I was trying to guide our leadership in, in seeing and understanding we made the decision that that night that we were going to still meet that Sunday, but that we recognized that that might be the last time we would be together based on what we were seeing happening. Mm-hmm. However, the following day, they reduced the number to 100, and then they closed the school districts. And we, had, we made the decision then to say, look, if it was as a weather emergency and the school districts closed, we would also be closing our church. Mm-hmm. So... If the school district are closing, we are going to close our church to the public this week in, in terms of our services. The church remains open during the week, so if there was somebody who is in some sort of social need, they could still stop in and talk to somebody and hopefully find a way to meet that need, mm-hmm. uh, but no large gatherings of people anymore. Right. And so that day I I called my board chair, who is kind of our you know second in command, if you will, uh, or, or he's first in command, quite honestly, and we ended up making phone calls around to our board to get like an official, yep, we're affirming that we're moving forward this way. And then we moved very quickly to trying to figure out how do we 
online stream our service because we haven't done that before. Um, but that was kind of the, the process that we went through to get to the place where we were saying not meeting together. And then, you know, even with all of the planning and stuff that we did, we still had people on Sunday morning still show up to the church um, thinking that we were having church. People who don't have a computer or a cell phone that uh, I guess we're not on the prayer chain or the email list or on Facebook, you know, all the places that we put this out or didn't watch the news where they were displaying that our church was one of the ones closed mm-hmm. um, and still showed up. And so we had, you know, to send them home kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it, it, there's no perfect plan to this. Right. I, so um, other than like sermons, are, are there other things that your church is getting involved in or... Is it more of like getting connected with other churches of like, how are you dealing with this? Like, I know the Brethren in Christ is a part of a conference, and so there is probably interaction there, I would assume. Some. Uh, so the answer to your question is yes to all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me th- let me talk about it from, a, I'll go small to big. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, from an individual church perspective, what, what we decided to do was we want to make sure that there's no one in our congregation that's falling through the cracks here. Um, there's a number of people in our congregation who they are they're paycheck to paycheck or they're on a fixed income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when certain things happen outside the norm, it really drastically affects them. Mm-hmm. And so we have put out to our congregation that if you have a need, we want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And so we have one paper in our office where we are keeping a list of needs. And then we put out to our congregation that if you have abundance, we want to know about that as well. Mm-hmm. And that could be something as simple as having extra toilet paper, mm-hmm. but it could also be being in a place where you have plenty of finances or you're willing to make meals. Um, but if you have abundance, let us know. And so we're keeping a, a separate paper with a list of abundance. And so we have folks in our congregation who have called this week. We've had no needs call in, which is, um, I, I want to say it's a good thing, but it also might mean that there are people that haven't heard yet that, or haven't been hit yet. And, mm-hmm. and so we're waiting for the needs to happen. Yeah. We've had more people from our congregation call in and say, I'm willing to do this. I have this. Uh, I'm making meals. Do you have freezer space where we can start storing some meals so that when we need them, they're there? Uh, So that's been great. So on like a singular church level, we're trying really hard to make sure that no one slips through the cracks in our congregation. I've started calling everybody in our congregation. Uh, So we have a church directory we just started. And because we're only, uh, you know, 100 100 people in the church directory, I can make those calls. And so Mm -hmm. yesterday I called like a half dozen people. Today I'll call some more. Tomorrow I'll call some more. And just keep trying to call around to make sure everybody's being taken care of, we've encouraged our congregation to do the same thing, mm-hmm. to call each other, to ask how they're doing, and to pray with one another, because we do believe prayer is uh, is a powerful, powerful gift that we've been given. Mm-hmm. On a, a conference level with, within the Brethren of Christ denomination, there hasn't been a ton of conversation, because um, every church is kind of left to do their thing to a certain extent, and so every church is acting and interacting with this a little differently. So even in the cluster of pastors that I meet with on a regular basis, there's five or six of us, um, there was not everybody canceled their services last Sunday. There was still one or two pastors who, who had a service still too. So even in the small group that I meet with, people reacted a little differently in that. We have had a lot of um, information come from our bishop and from our national director and just saying, here's our expectations of our churches, you know, um, if you are, if you have more than this number of people, please cancel your services. That yeah. sort of thing. Guidance. Um, in terms of local congregations here in Elizabethtown, I just had a meeting yesterday afternoon with uh, it was an, We've been meeting as churches. There's like 19 of us. They're involved in an event coming up here in May called Be the Church, where we cancel our church services on a Sunday and then we go into the community to do these service projects and then we meet back together for like a celebration service and a picnic. 
Uh, and it's it's a really awesome event. It's a it's a day to show those who are not a part of the church that church isn't just about four walls and singing some hymns and hearing a message, uh, but it is about caring for your neighbor. Right. So we had that meeting still. Um, of like the 19 churches or so that are represented there, I think we had we had five people come to it, um, and which makes sense. Mm-hmm. No judgment there. Um, yeah. Just it was a small group, and then. We made a decision that we're kind of halting everything at this point um, because we just don't know when it's going to be we're going to be able to do anything. So yeah. kind of everything's on hiatus at the moment, but everybody seems very unified in the fact that one of the things that we can do is is try and spread a message of hope and love in this time. Yeah. And so we are probably going to try and do some Facebook Live prayer events coming up here in the, ne- in the oh, no- next cool. number of weeks. Yeah, that's um, great. And that's kind of been one thing. The other thing is we have this group called Echoes here in Elizabethtown, yeah. which is a, which is an organization that has a food bank. It has uh, tax, um, like Vita Tax, that helps do taxes free of charge for folks so they're not getting gouged by people who want to take a percentage off the top of your tax return. Um, it has a clothing bank. Um, it's just any social need that you might have. Oh, it also has a shelter, like a homeless shelter. Right. Um this is where you would go. Yeah. And they are kind of on the front lines in Elizabethtown trying to meet needs right now. And so part of the meeting was also letting the churches know that um, they gonna, they're they going to need money at some point because yeah. money is an important piece. And if all those churches in Elizabethtown decided to give a thousand bucks, they'd have quite the storehouse to be able to care for these COVID-19 needs that are coming up. Yeah. Um, but they're the ones that are they're probably going to hear about a lot of the needs that the churches won't hear about first. And so we need to support that ministry mm-hmm. just the same as we would normally yeah, and still be willing to be the relational churches that we are and help out those who come to us as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the churches seem to be pretty unified at this point, but again, there was only five people there yesterday, but yeah. still a powerful time of prayer that I really appreciated having with those other leaders. Yeah. I, I see the, like the people like at echoes or other like organizations kind of like that as, um, fearless people that may end up getting sick <laughs> Agreed. you know completely. what i mean like like it, it's it's fantastic they're going to meet a need and i think it's amazing work that they're doing um to provide safe shelter for people but um it, it's situations like that if you have a store your storeroom of masks like they're saying send them to your healthcare facilities but i think that that's a certainly a valid place to send masks as well um yeah it's just uh being in the the healthcare world, I've never had to worry about um, abundance, and we're even already talking about shortages hmm. and how long it's going to take to get all kinds of things. Um, and it's just um, it's wild to see the way that this is working out. Um, a, a cool place to go if you are in charge of a congregation. Um, the CDC does have a whole section laid out for religious institutions on ways that you can help and participate in guiding your um, congregations in a way that not only, uh, I think, represents your congregation well, but also um, keeps people safe in your congregation. So um, I would recommend maybe reading through that because it's, it's actually pretty good um the the ways that they they went through that so um yeah Uh, i don't know if i have a ton of ideas here right like it's just 
this is serious and I really do feel like we need to, to talk about it. I think there's a long road ahead of us. And I think that's something for us all to keep in mind yeah. is that this is not going to be over in the short term. Even if suddenly, somehow, miraculously, there was a vaccine that was presented in the next two weeks and you could start getting that vaccine out to folks. Um, the the impact of closing businesses, of mm-hmm. closing church doors, of having people quarantined inside and, and being locked in a place of fear, those impacts are going to be far-reaching for a yeah. long time yeah. um, on a social level and an economic level. Right. And so I just I think there's a long road ahead of us that we all need to be willing and able to right. um, jump in and be involved and help out wherever we can. One of the things that I'm a part of here in Elizabethtown is Rotary. Um, and one of the things that the Rotary Club did this week is said, look, we we have all these businesses in town that are going to need our support. And up until yesterday, those restaurants that were out there could at least do takeout. Uh, they couldn't do anything with their dining rooms at that point. Right. And so the Rotary Club put out a schedule for like 15 or 20 restaurants in Elizabethtown and said, if you are going to go out and eat uh, or get takeout, we want you to do this restaurant this day. Mm-hmm. And that way we can kind of do like a, they're calling it a cash mob for mm-hmm. those restaurants to help them stay afloat and survive everything that's happening. And I thought that was a really neat way to try and jump in and help out as well. Krista and I ordered a takeout from the restaurant yesterday uh, for lunch so that we could try and support that restaurant. Now with everything that developed last night, I'm certain that those restaurants are now closed, closed. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's some creative people out there with creative ideas at how they can support one another in this mm-hmm. time. And that's the sort of stuff we're going to need as we move forward. Right. So I was just thinking about, um, I think as we listen to the news and whatever else, we're becoming historical buffs when it comes to the Spanish flu. It keeps getting mentioned. Um, and that's because that's the last pandemic in our in our history. I'm not. There's not very many people of the population that probably experienced that at this point. But um, the virus that that was was H1N1, right? Which is we hear about that still in the news. So like COVID-19 is not going to go away. Um, what we have to do is come up with treatments. Mm. Treatments are going to take three months at least, and that's the bare minimum. So um, this is going to be a, a, a pretty, I think to um, think about this from a two week, this is going to be two weeks and then we're going to get going um, is highly optimistic. And I don't think that there are anybody that, I don't think that there is um, any healthcare system that's thinking that this is going to go two weeks. I'm not saying that that you Nick are thinking that it's two weeks. I think that it's a long it's a long haul of like this is where we're going. This is going to be a long thing. And what I'm trying to get out is to the public of like let's start thinking about the way to take care of each other because this is going to be something that has this is months. And in that that time, how are we going to um, take care of each other? So I, one example for me is because I have a small group of people that I are just pretty amazing um, at, at church. And I got text messages um, on the first positive case that was in the county. I got text messages from at least half of the group 
saying, hey, we're just praying and thinking of you, hmm. which was huge. That's amazing. You know, like, um, I don't spend a lot of time text messaging people or whatever else, but to get that and just say, hey, you know, people are, are thinking about me and taking care of me, and I appreciate, like, what I have to provide, I guess, society with the skills that I've obtained from school or whatever. Um, it was really nice. Hmm. Uh, because, yeah, sure enough, that day I was in the whole garb that you see in um, the news or whatever else with dealing with people. Uh, so not scary. I feel like I'm prepared for it. But at the same time, um, I think serious. Got to take it serious. So, uh, yeah, it's and I think that just small little acts of service and community, th- even we have this benefit of technology that they sure didn't have during the spanish flu you know so we have the ability to reach out and to still be a community via technology that we never had before and i think that we can utilize that i think we're seeing lots of people utilizing it Um, i heard a thing on npr yesterday about the philadelphia orchestra and them performing live in an empty hall and they just played like a clip of it, and it was just beautiful. And how you, if, if you can't connect to God through that amazing music being played by like professionals, man, I don't know. So I, there are ways that we can get connected, not just with each other, but also with God in this. And I just think that it means that sometimes now we're going to be thinking outside the box. Hmm. So, um, yeah. I think um, it might be helpful for us to talk a little bit about, <clears throat> maybe from a healthcare perspective, since you bring that to the table yeah. quite specifically. Yeah. Are there a list of do's and don'ts that you would tell our listeners yeah. in this time? Like, I, I think, <clears throat> I think about like washing my hands on a very regular basis. That would yeah. be a do, right? Yeah. And washing my hands not just for the you know 15 seconds that we seem to be accustomed to doing a quick thing, but actually washing my hands for, I don't know. Some people say the length of a song. Right? Yeah, 20 seconds. So is the is the magic number? Are there some lists of like some do's and don'ts that you might share with people? Yeah, during this time. So we started this, I think, yesterday or the day before. But I have a two and a four year old, and we started singing <clears throat> "Happy Birthday" to just random people, uh, and we'll do it twice while we wash our hands. That's gets you pretty close to the twenty seconds. And my kids dig it; they love coming up with whoever they're going to sing a happy birthday song to. It's awesome. Um, but that's one way to do it. Um, you could always do, I don't know, you could do a fun one with staying alive while you're washing your hands too. But just that's get, the old get CPR one, right? Yeah, yeah, you can do it with CPR, <laughs> but why not do it with washing your hands now too? I think that's a huge one. I think particularly if you know somebody that has a respiratory illness, COPD, um, asthma, uh, or like a heart condition, be really weary about um, being around them with any kind of symptoms at all. Um, because those, these are the people that are going to end up in really, like a lot of trouble really quick. Encourage them to self quarantine, uh, be a support for them. Like if they need groceries or something like that, be willing to help them out and get that kind of stuff. I mean, I think particularly when it comes to your children, right? Like I know that we hear that kids are typically immune to this thing, but it's particularly like kids with asthma, you're going to, they run a lot higher risk of being ones that are dangerous. So, and they're... Kids are the ones that like I worry about because they're not washing their hands well. 
right? So not only like so if you have a, a kid that's relatively healthy, um, I worry about them as just being uh, a cesspool of infection. <laughs> uh, How did you know the nickname I give my children? <laughs> well, I mean because like they they stick their their hands in their mouth, they do the whole thing, and, and that's just a kid being a kid. And they're saying that this is why they're probably not having symptoms quite as much because they're probably exposing themselves to other variations of coronavirus, not COVID-19, all year long. So they've built up an immunity, but uh, they certainly could be carrying this and spreading it to other people. But then if you have a kid that that has a respiratory illness... um, you just want to be really careful. I think make sure that they're on their medic, like their medicine regimen, and they're not missing doses. Like we want to make sure that they stay healthy and that we're keeping their immune systems well. And then for your elderly patient, like the elderly people in, in your in your life, you, we've got to take care of them as well because basically they're just a health risk in general at this point. And um, I think just being really cautious and like like handshakes are out the window elbow bumps are good um one theory of behind like why italy it's spread so fast is because they greet with kissing on the face like like think about those sorts of things the intimacy that we have like we can have conversations with people but keep it six feet away are you saying that we can't be intimate anymore doug i mean what are you saying we're, we're about six feet away from each other right now even as we record i mean this. i mean so like are you saying that we can't be intimate with our spouses anymore what are you trying to say Doug? well i wouldn't say spouses uh uh what, what i would say is um just be really cautious <laughs> right like like proper hand hygiene should be a shit like this should have been a thing all along right like <laughs> hand hygiene why were we not washing our hands enough <laughs> right like 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 that should have been a thing like any dude knows that when you go to a public restroom, watch how many dudes go to the bathroom and then don't go wash their hands. I'm nodding my head over here. That's yes. absolutely disgusting. So gross. Right? Like, <laughs> like, and healthcare workers are all like, yeah, we know that this happens, but it's terrible, but it happens. Now I think that it's going to become taboo. So this is probably a good thing for society. One silver lining of, hey, you know what? We learned our lesson. We should really be washing our hands. Because if we do that... Man, that really sets us up in a really good place. Hmm. Um, I think that, yeah, it's okay to have conversations, but we're going to just have to expand the circles out, you know, like making six-foot areas. Uh, Our hospital just instituted, uh, they're scanning our heads as we go in to make sure we don't have fevers. But even in the lines, they're saying stand six feet apart for our line to get into the building. Hmm. So the line is just forever long. So we just have to start thinking about, okay, social distancing can be good, but we can be intimate with each other in different ways, can't we? Like, isn't sending a card to somebody a beautiful thing? The post office is still running. You know, like... But doesn't the virus live on paper and stuff? Because I know it's one of the things that got brought up here in Elizabethtown is we should take care of those who are nursing us. We have, like, three nursing facilities here. Right. And somebody said, let's do, like, a card shower for all the, the residents. And then somebody else was like terrible idea in this situation and so it got shut down so the quick. longest that the virus lives on anything is 24 hours See, so now i've heard three days so the on surfaces the the variance of the infection itself even if it's alive for three days is not as um contagious 
as that time goes. It's as if it's losing its strength as it goes. So that's why, I mean, wiping things down is good. But if you're really, really concerned and you want to be like a germaphobe on this thing, that's okay. Just send an email. An email is really nice too. You know what I mean? Like there are other ways around it. These text messages that I received are good. Um, But like, I think that there's a whole lot of these like theories that are also going out like with myths that yes, yes, but then there's also let's get into the science behind them. So like I heard one of these things like, um, you know, we should like the coronavirus can't live in hot temperature. So we'll be fine in the summer. Well, Mexico and sub-Saharan Africa, which is pretty freaking warm there, they have cases. Clearly, it can live. So if we're thinking that we're going to be able to keep our vacations here in May because as it warms up, yeah, you know what? Maybe we need to reschedule those things. And please just reschedule them because they might just be closed anyway. But, you know, we, we can kind of go through the steps of like, well, no, that's not really true. And I think that the World Health Organization, as well as the CDC, as well as your state, um, your state health department, are all really great websites to be checking out because a lot of them have missed mythbusters saying, "Hey, listen, that's not true. That doesn't meet the science." You know, I think that we should all be looking into those sorts of things um, and saying, "Okay, like not to be." Not to necessarily be skeptical of everything, but let's just do our fact-checking before we start um, getting into some of these things. So, as well as, um, let's also be generous to each other in the sense of, okay, if we have this or that. I know that um, New York's now mandating that construction workers send all of their masks to healthcare places. So it's cool that we have to mandate, but wouldn't it have been great if like some of those Christian construction building companies were like, you know what, let's send those. That's where the real need is. You know, I think that these are some of the ways that we can start thinking about ways that we can take care of each other and to do it before we're asked to do it. Like instead of waiting to be mandated and saying, oh, they're not going to take our freedom away, like saying, hey, you know what, I'm willing to give up my freedom because I want to take care of other people. So we're starting to transition away yeah. from the healthcare do's and don'ts, and we're starting to transition into like some general maybe do's and don'ts. That's where I wanted us to go anyway. Right? So yeah. Yeah. Let's let's keep on this trajectory, right. and let's just let's even like lean into it and say, yeah. okay, some do's and don'ts in, in the side of not just healthcare and not just our social responsibility. Right. But how about for the church now? What are yeah. some do's and don'ts for the church? And I want to name one off the top. Sure. And I don't mean to be political on this, yeah. but if it comes across as political, then so be it. Yeah. This is COVID-19. You can call it the coronavirus, but stop calling it the Chinese virus. Right. Yeah. Like it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous that that is even a thing. It's being called that in any way, shape or form. And there are, uh, the New York Post and New York Times have done several articles on, uh, not the Post, just the Times, have done articles on um, some of the hate crimes that are coming out because people are thinking about this as a Chinese virus against Asian folks. Yeah. So we just need to stop calling it Chinese virus and mm-hmm. let's just call it what it is. It's yeah. COVID-19. Yeah. Let's refer to it as that and not anything else. I yeah. think that would be a start because we don't want to be fear-mongering. Right. I, to be fair, the Spanish flu, right, was came from the U.S. It was called the Spanish flu because the first cases were brought from the U.S. to Spain. But, like, um, these pandemics can happen 
anywhere. They can start anywhere, and it just happened to be China this time, right? Um, but it's this is the world's problem now. We, we've got to take care of it, and this is this is where we have to unite and separating and saying, hey, I'm going to be angry or doing terrible things to Chinese people. It's just stupid. So we need, I, I, if anything... Um, doing nice things for our Asian populations, good things too, you know, like thinking of ways to support them because I'm sure that there is some fear that's beyond that. I read a, a article by a Chinese um, physician who um, says that he rarely travels without a mask, but in the beginning of this outbreak, he wore a mask because he felt like it was taboo for him not to wear a mask in his travel, hmm. that people would look at him as if, like look down on him and like oh he might be infected and that's that's terrible to think that like even just societies can have that kind of impact on the way that people view the way that they have to um you know interact is that they have to interact behind a mask which is quite terrible um so yeah do you have any other um i think or don'ts for the church i think one thing we can make sure is in the back of our mind is that um, if you have a family, um, take good care of your family. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just mean your your kids and your spouse. I mean, think about your parents mm-hmm. um, and really try to, to care for them as the best as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, give them advice, help them to you know, be encouraged to stay inside if they're in that at-risk category. Mm-hmm. Support them by getting them groceries if need be. You know, if you are younger uh, and you are healthy, it makes more sense for you to go to the grocery store and get the groceries than it does for your parents to go to the grocery store and get the groceries. So do a drop-off with them. Uh, I think that would be huge because there's a lot of people out there who don't have family. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of elderly people. And I know because I have them at my church who they have zero family and there is no one to take care for them, mm-hmm. care, care of them. I talked with a lady yesterday who was crying on the phone because she's she has enough stuff right now, but who's going to help her get more stuff when she runs out? You know, mm-hmm. There are people out there that don't have that. And so we have to also start keeping in mind the folks out there who um, have a lot less than we do, who don't have family. Think about somebody who is in an abusive relationship that's now quarantined with their abuser. Think mm-hmm. about the single working parent who has no childcare and now no job yeah. and no income. Uh, I've heard several stories of landlords not being willing to give their tenants a break on bills or rent that are coming due. Um, and I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. Um, I am saying that that's going to create a lot of more homelessness before this thing is over. Yeah, um, We're going to see more bankruptcies. We're going to see businesses going going out and going away because of this whole thing. So there's just going to be a lot of need in the coming weeks and months that yeah. we don't even see yet. Yeah, And so as a church, as a community, we need to take care of those who are a part of our community, but we also need to have eyes to look beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we can live in fear. And I think that is the other thing. And I, we made a, a nuance earlier in the episode um, that that doesn't mean we aren't wise and we aren't taking practical steps, um, but we, we can't live in fear. So we need to figure out what it looks like to to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to, to be people who lead in love uh, without being stuck in in fear the whole time mm-hmm. we fear is going to lock us up yeah. it's going to stop us from being creative it's going to stop us from thinking outside the box and so not to live in that place but live in the world where hey we were created in the image of god by a god who is an incredible creator yeah who has an incredible amount of creativity and that has been passed into you so how can you take your creativity 
and apply that to the situations, the world, and the people, and the hurting people that are around you today. Right. And so I've seen some really some people doing some cool stuff like reading. Um, who's the guy from Frozen that does the voice of Olaf? Oh yeah, he's been getting on Twitter yeah. and reading children's books. Like anybody can can get on. Is it Twitter? I think it's Twitter. Anyway. He's like live reading children's books for children's time in like voices and stuff. And like what a cool creative idea for great. parents to be able to – we have technology like you had said. So yeah. you can log on to, to Twitter, to Instagram, or to yeah. Facebook, or wherever they're live streaming stuff and, and check out some of that kind of neat stuff. So I've seen that uh, – I've seen people um, – they can't go to gyms anymore. So they're creating workout routines for people to do at home with just the stuff lying around their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, like really cool things like that. So yeah. That's not. I don't know that that's the church's job, but it could be. Yeah. Um. We need to be creative like that, though. Yeah. How are we taking care of people right. in this world? Yeah. How can we be creative? How can we make sure that people know and experience the love of Jesus in the midst of this whole time, and recognize that they aren't alone. Right. Loneliness and being alone. If you already deal with depression and anxiety, you probably might be through the roof right now with everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. How can we make sure people know that they're not alone in this time? Uh, that there are people that care for them, even if they don't even know their name yet. Right. Uh, that's the sort of stuff that we need to be thinking a lot about as the church. And then, of course, we need to not forego prayer in this time. And I know everybody comes to prayer in a different way. I believe that prayer is a powerful thing. I yeah. believe that it's a gift that we've been given. And so I need. I think we need to double down on it. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be in prayer. Again, yeah. prayer is not an excuse to not be wise and take good precautions. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that taking good precautions is an excuse not to pray. Yeah. Uh, so we need to do both. Yeah, and if ever a time to even experience different types of prayer, you've got you, you may have some time on your hands to like okay, well, I've never, you know, experienced this whole meditative prayer or lectio divina or whatever else. Maybe I'll get into that because, you know what? Got nothing else to do, you know. So, or or certainly spend time in nature. It's a way to get away from the monotony of the four walls in your house kind of deal like get get outside and and experience spring is here yeah you know and and see still that god is at work um and look at the beauty behind that yeah i was we were talking about how like this is a uh historical event that we're going through and um so often the church has responded okay at those never like it's not very typical for you for the history to say oh wow look at how the church responded to that historical event and i just think that we have an opportunity to start thinking about hey what are we doing with this um is there ways that we can really meet and have community be the body of christ while social distancing you know (laughs) like what does that even look like I'm not really sure, but what what I know is that this is an opportunity, and we have to be open, and we need to be in prayer in order to um, be in contact with the Holy Spirit and how God is working. And so, I just encourage people to be tapping into that. You know, if nothing else, though we don't have answers, let this podcast be an encouragement to you to see this as an opportunity. Yeah. Not as a threat, not as the end of the world, not yeah. as the apocalypse of, of all things. Yeah. But this is an opportunity for us to be the church in an entirely new way. Yeah. The the world, our world, our generations yeah. has not seen this. Yeah. So this is a chance for us to be Jesus in a way we haven't been before. Yeah. And and honestly, 
it's a chance for us to slow down. Yeah. Especially here in America. Uh, not not as healthcare workers. But. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I understand that. But but yes. But you know what I'm saying. But the general public, yeah. In terms of like America, even the American church, we yeah. have been so busy for so long. Right. Going from place to place and thing to thing. And I fall into that same category. Right. And this is now forcing us to slow down. Yeah. It is forcing us to spend time with our families. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. It's right. forcing us to take care of things that we have put by the wayside for so long. Mm-hmm. It's forcing us to slow down. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And and that might be one of the greatest opportunities and the and the most beautiful things that come out of this. Right. Is that again, not for you. Yeah. But for the for the main population. Yeah. We have to slow down. Yeah. We have to go outside and enjoy spring. Right. Because we can't work. I would say like this goes between but uh the two topics that we were just talking about but like saying thank you to healthcare workers being appreciative of them for those like for for my wife who's been already so supportive of me picking up overtime and doing all kinds of things like that um i think is great but us healthcare workers we need to make sure we don't burn ourselves out and that we're giving our spouses opportunities to go on a walk Hmm. you know uh get away from the kids because um, while we love our children, sometimes it's nice to get a walk-in of silence, you know? So like just making sure that we're supporting each other, I think this is a great opportunity as a church to also show, um, the value of the family unit, Agreed. you know, uh, like how, how we can connect and work together and like we can really start to mold our children in this time. Um, I think that's really important. If you think back to 9-11, yeah. uh, one of the things that the church, and, and publicly, I mean, mm-hmm. not even just the church, uh, the public world, also did really well is celebrate the emergency worker mm-hmm. in the aftermath of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is time for us to step forward and, and celebrate the healthcare worker mm-hmm. in this time, especially. And yeah. Support them, celebrate them, thank them. Yeah. So I, I love that you're saying that. And yeah. maybe just thinking about what people saw after 9-11 will help them have a picture of what could be even in this time as we deal with this particular thing yeah. for the healthcare worker that's there now. Yeah. So, yeah. It's great. Uh, the one other thing I would I would say is um, I suspect that while this is going to last for a while, that the U.S. will probably get out of this before some of the third world nations. I think the third world nations will be decimated by this. Uh, just due to public health options as well as just their health care abilities, Um, not necessarily abilities, but like the the technology available, ventilators, those sorts of things. Um, Something to think about for the healthcare community is once we solve this problem, are we going to allow ourselves to take a break or are we going to are we going to continue to try to get this thing under control? elsewhere too and i think that that is something i'm sure organizations like mercy ships and those sorts of things are already thinking about but um it's just certain certainly something that um, the church could do to help with different nonprofits that are helping elsewhere even just um so like new york city is obviously getting hit hard if we can get this area taken care of are we able to then go to new york city and help i just think that um there will, there will be plenty of opportunities to provide services and be able to help each other. And we should try to help each other do that and get get this thing taken care of and wrapped up. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, there is any theological importance to this, but uh, 
I think this was a good episode. <laughs> you want to uh, do some space talk quick? Yeah. I mean, of, of all the episodes for us to talk about space. That's a good point. This will be the episode to talk about space. Yeah, this is so good. Six feet of space. Six feet of space. <laughs> I think one of the things that I would just say, and, and this is, we're so on the front end of this thing, in my opinion. Still, oh, yeah, of right? course. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind of what you had said already, though, mm-hmm. is that it's uh, there's ways for us to be intimate. There's ways for us to show love mm-hmm. and uh, consideration and care um, by from a distance. Yeah. And I think it's that's the space between right now that's kind of stick with me is, is how can I do that? How can yeah. I encourage my congregation in that? How can I encourage... Like, I have family members who are um, have compromised immune systems. Yeah. So how can I love on my sister and my brother-in-law who I'm not going to see during this time right uh, especially because I have kids that are petri dishes right um, how can I love on them from afar right uh, so that's the space between us the six foot of distance or, or more depending yeah. on what's going on for yeah. people how can we push through that uh, in the in the way that respects and cares for people and loves on people mm-hmm. um, in order to love on people mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that I think also let's relish touch like we're going to start to feel a deficit in our our touch i think and how wonderful um touch really is i think that in in society that we've um particularly i would say millennials and probably on um we've gotten pretty good at particularly men of being very limited on the touch already and now this we, we may thrive in this six foot thing but like um I think we're going to be in a deficit, and I think that the, the, the human brain loves touch, and um, I think that we can, on the other side of this, maybe find a new appreciation for it and find um, an intimacy there. But while we're waiting for that to happen, let's just try to, um, yeah, love on each other, uh, sneeze into your elbow, make sure that the. <laughs> space in between that six feet is not infected and uh yeah i don't know get connected still like this is a great opportunity for the church as well as for people to get connected with the trinity and working with that so well i really wanted to do the holy spirit this week i think they talked about maybe doing that this is an opportunity to jump into a relationship with the holy spirit and to get real close so while we as people are six feet apart, we're closer than our skin to uh, to God. So let's let that be maybe the thing that we simmer on. <laughs>